you can use your mind as a tool, like as a performance tool. And the more you understand about how it actually functions, um, the more it's able to help you as opposed to get in your way. Are you looking to create more money, more options, and more fun? Hi, I'm Chris McCarron. And each week, my guests and I will share our experiences with real estate investing and do our best to help empower you to start creating wealth yourself. Welcome to Women Creating Wealth. If you're ready to get started, visit womencreatingwealth.net. For now, let's jump into today's episode. Hey, Women Creating Wealth. Welcome back. We have got a real treat for you today. You don't have to listen to me talking because we have Terry Shower. She has more than 20 years of experience as a real estate investor and property manager. She's the CEO and founder of MRG Management, which is a property management and real estate consulting group based in Montreal, which is nice. Usually we get people from warm places, places that are warmer than where I am. And I feel jealous, but luckily you're in a cold place too. So you can relate. She's the leading authority on applying mindfulness principles to real estate investing. And she's written the number one best-selling book on the topic, which is Mindful Landlord. If you haven't read it, I definitely recommend that you do. Uh, she's got, she's also a podcast, her podcast, her, she's uh, hosts the real estate investors club podcast, which is geared toward helping fellow and aspiring investors to build a portfolio for profit and peace of mind. And it's interesting because a lot of people think that those two can't go hand in hand. <laughs> um, Terry holds a PhD in communications and she has a master's from Oxford University. She's a three-time world champion in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which we definitely have to talk about. And her best-selling book, Mindful Landlord, is currently on Amazon. And you'll find that link in the show notes. Terry, thanks for being with us today. Hi, thanks for having me on, Christine. You know, what I was sort of talking about earlier, a lot of people think that the minute they are going to become a real estate investor, that their their days of peaceful mind, mind peacefulness are basically over. So <laughs> tell us how we can have both. <laughs> wow, that's a, a heck of a kickoff question. Right, exactly. Now just tell us your entire philosophy, right? Right now yeah. we've got about 25 more minutes. <laughs> um, well, I mean, it's it, the truth is it took me a 10-year balancing act to figure that out, which is why I wrote a book. And I think, you know, property management, which is the section of real estate that I ended up in is probably the most frustrating and irritating corner of the playing field that you can be in. Well, not only um, that, it's the, 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 I think where you have the biggest potential for even like legal risk and, you know, all kinds of other unsettling things that you have to think about. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and so, you know, like I had, I guess, 10 years of stressful things happen. Um, most of it, you know, like my business model is I work in mostly low income areas. Um, and I mean, I'm, I am in Canada, so that doesn't 100% translate into the States just because like, we don't, there's no guns. We don't have any like safety issues. <laughs> um, and uh, our social spectrum is really compressed um, because we're like, a, I got pretty, quite a socialist, like, especially the, you know, the French part of Canada that I live in, like think like if this is California, like this is us on the left of California. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the result is that we just have this like very compressed social spectrum. So from like rich to very poor, like we don't have the same, let's say huge swing that you guys have. So, yeah. you know, um, in, in terms of safety and in terms of what you're dealing with, like it would not be the exact same thing as like low, low income in the States, but you know, there a lot of the, the social problems are similar um, in terms of, you know, addictions, um, 
poverty, um, mental health, like all of those kind of things. And so it just makes it like a really difficult job because like very often either I would purchase or I would end up managing these like very poorly run buildings because it's not easy to run those buildings, you know? Um, and then the landlord would have had enough and be like, either I want to liquidate this thing. I don't want to deal with it anymore. Or else Terry, here are the keys go deal with it. Um, <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that is, you know, I always say like that I have the character to deal with that and that's kind of like how I made my money. So, yeah. you know, I, I can only complain so much, <laughs> um, <laughs> but that, you know, through the process of learning how to do that, I, uh, discovered that there are particular places where people either lose their cool or get sucked into patterns that steal your peace of mind. And we can kind of go on two tangents with that. And one is what I call the uh, more doors, more deals, more dollars trap, which is that, you know, I think when people start investing, the first hurdle they have to get over is fear. And so like some of what I teach is how to deal with fear and the unknown. But then once the ball gets rolling and you start seeing some success, very often people don't, are not aligned about when enough is enough. Right. Um, and, you know, especially if you attend a lot of investors events and networking things, which I encourage people do, cause it's important you get, there's this like ethos of competition and, you know, I, at the risk of, of venturing somewhere kind of dangerous, like masculine ethos of competition. It's absolutely true. Right. <laughs> I, like, I have 5,000 doors and you're like, exactly. Oh, I have five. Exactly. Oh, loser. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't be part of the conversation, you know, or I have exactly. to do it in this like really cagey way where I'm actually not going to be, you know, uh, asking the questions I want to ask because I'm going to be afraid that my thing is too small. And then either what that can do is like, it, it creates like the snail shell effect where like people pull themselves into their shell and they're like, okay, I actually don't want to deal with this because it's, you know, too competitive. And the people who are talking loudest have 5,000 tours right. um, or else they get sucked into the competition, you know? And like, Lord knows with my background as a competitive athlete, like I had, I felt the pull of that where like you go in and you're like, well, if he can do it and he can do it, like, surely I can do this too. Right. And then I kind of got sucked into that. Um, I'm a mom. So, you know, when, when my son was born um, in his first year of life, I worked the hardest I ever worked, made the most money I ever made. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I was like, at the end of the year, I'm like, wow, like this really is not making me any happier. Right. You know? And look how big my kid got. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm like, okay, no, this is actually like not where I want things to go. And so um, it was, you know, important to really be aligned. And, you know, that's when we can get into like a bit of mindfulness, because if you understand how your consciousness operates, um, and I can do like a really quick, you know, 30 second thing on that, which is like, you have your thoughts that are up here, you have your emotions, which are kind of like the colored glasses you're wearing, then you have your consciousness underneath. And the more you align yourself with presence and the less you're in the spinning thoughts or whatever the colored emotions are, um, the more you're able to really figure out like, what, what am I really in this for? And it's called internally motivated versus externally motivated where you're you know comparing yourself and that that then can pull you and suck you into places that ultimately you kind of don't want to be. Well, also because you're never going to be satisfied, right? There's always somebody who's got more and more and more than you, and you're never going to be able to stop and say, Hey, I accomplished something. I can feel good right now. And right. You're, you're just always looking for the next deal. Yeah. 
And even, I mean, and even when you, you know, you are at the top, which like I learned from, you know, my athletic career is like, you can lose it tomorrow. And so, you know, it's, it's like a very different thing to say, okay, like I just, you know, I won this championship and now like I have this title for the rest of my life. No one can take it away from me that, that moment, but the very next year or the very next six months later, like there's some younger girl who trains harder than me, who's going to come and take it away. And like, what am I going to do with that? Right. So if your, your whole reason of existence is to be at the top of a pile of other humans, you're not going to get the pleasure and the, you know, the value out of what you're doing. So, but even, I think even if you did, even if you could, so like, yes, I'm the richest person in the world. I've got the most, whatever there's still the satisfaction is in the, the achievement, right. For me, like the, the hunt, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, I did that. Now what's next. I'm always like, okay, yeah, did that. What's next. What's next. And that even in athletics, right. It's the same thing. You wouldn't just sit on your, Oh, I won the, I'm the best in my town, right. You'd be one. I want to be in the best in my state. I want to be the best in my country. I want to be the best in the world. There's always a new yeah. um, milestone that you want to achieve. Otherwise you're just sort of stagnant. It's- well, it's a, like, it's a, it's a journey. Right. And like, I, it sounds kind of like corny to say it. And it's one thing to be able to say it in like one sentence, but it's another thing to actually like kind of be aligned with it and be like, you know, this is my journey and it doesn't have to be someone else's. Right. So anyway, so that's kind of like the, the one thing where people tend to lose their peace of mind. Um, the other one is just, you know, the day-to-day running of a real estate empire. And again, you know, I come from ma- the management sphere, which is pro- I would say the most, the most trying. And so, you know, you have various catastrophes happen. You have like tenants who, you know, do stuff that you're like, how is this even possible? Like to tell you an anecdote, like I was at a, um, a building yesterday. They, one of the tenants called the city inspector on us for whatever reason. And so like, I'm, I go into the unit. So I get there, there's like a washing machine in the common staircase that's blocking everyone going down. Okay, so we're there with the inspector. Then we go into the unit and then I find that she's like installed or someone has installed like a, a dishwasher. There's not meant to be a dishwasher. So there's like these, this like plumbing pipes going everywhere. And I'm like, okay, so now you called the inspector on me and we go in and like, this is what, you know, <laughs> What the kind of thing you want to keep secret from the inspector? Just saying. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, my machine stopped working. I'm like, yeah, would I put my garbage like in the common staircases of an apartment building just because like it's garbage? No, like it's like inside or outside, but like anyway, whatever. <laughs> so then to like face that kind of situation and deal with it, uh, I guess in the most equanimous way possible without like really letting it get to you or bringing it home yeah. um, is a whole other you know, kind of mindfulness thing of realizing that like on the other end of that are other humans and they don't necessarily process things the same way you would, but there's no reason, you know, that's no excuse to become like predatory with them. Like sometimes you have to set limits, but that's no reason to like, you know, get into prey animal mode. Um, and it's also no reason to like eat your brain, like that that's going to keep running. That soundtrack's going to keep running for the next 48 hours of how annoying it is. So, right. right. But it's interesting that you say that because I've done a little bit of property management myself and it really depends on the landlord because you do see that, you know, I had one landlord I worked with, which I had, I had to quit working with her because she acted like all her tenants were just, you know, idiots or just a dollar sign. She didn't 
understand like, I'm like, these are great. You have great tenants and you're like treating them like crap. And, you know, to the other extreme where, you know, I just texted one of my landlords and he said, I said, you know, gee, the tenant just let me know that the patio, a chair on the patio, uh, just broke and it's a furnished unit. I said, what, what do you think about getting them a new patio set? And he's like, yep. And it's just, just like that. Like, you know, he could have said, Hey, you know what? It's the middle of winter. He doesn't need a patio. You know, what did he break it for? You know, nothing. He's just like, yep, let's do it because they're great tenants. You know, you just appreciate people and don't think of them as like just money. It's not just money. They're actual humans. They have feelings. And the more you, like you say, can have compassion for the fact that, you know, yes, this person doesn't live their life as I would. I wouldn't have done this with the plumbing and I wouldn't have left my, you know, washing machine in the middle of the staircase where other people have to pass. However, maybe they don't process things the same way. They probably just didn't, you know, you just can't, everybody isn't like you and just love everybody, right? <laughs> Somewhere <laughs> underneath it, right? Like, <laughs> and what do you find, you know, in your, I, I'm sure you have some wonderful stories and that could probably be a whole other, <laughs> a whole other podcast, but when you sort of came to realize, okay, I'm not focusing on the things that are important to me. I'm not enjoying my life. I'm just like running around and I hate everybody and they're all stupid and you know, whatever. How did you sort of say, what, do you feel like your, the, the, the history that you had in jujitsu sort of helped you to, to say, wait a minute, let me bring some of that same mentality, some of that same mindfulness and mindset into my regular job. Was there any correlation between that? Yeah. I mean, really like I came to mindfulness, um, when I was in my mid twenties, I had like, um, uh, a bout of panic disorder. Um, and so in order to get myself out of that, um, you know, I went to the doctor and then they, they gave me a prescription for antidepressants. And I was like, no, this is not happening. Um, and then I, I, you know, went out there and like learned about anxiety and educated myself and, um, you know, did like kind of a short, like an anxiety program. And it took me like three months to kind of get myself out of that. But what it did was it, it opened the door for me onto meditation. And then I kind of went down the rabbit hole and I read like, uh, you know, Dan Mil Dan Millman's peaceful warrior and like a bunch of, you know, the Tao Te Ching, like, and that whole thing and really got into I'm, understanding mindfulness and understanding how the mind works. And then I was immediately able to apply that in the athletic world. And then it just took me that much more time to bring it into real estate and be like, okay, like that program's already running in my head. Here's how it applies to the real estate business. And actually took me that working on the, you know, the sort of competitive do too much thing. That was the last, let's say the last thing that I ended up fixing. Cause like before that I used uh, that methodology to get over the fear stuff and, you know, the negative self-talk, that's what really allowed me to kind of launch, launch myself. But you know, I think like a lot of people who start out with imposter syndrome and like, feel like, oh, you know, I don't really belong in this world. Once you start succeeding, you're like, wow, you know, I need to like prove to myself that I can do this and this and this. And, you know, that voice was loud in my head and it took, took the wake up call of, you know, my son being one. And I did the, the business accounting and it was like, wow, look at all this money. And then I'm like, but like, really, I'm not, this didn't make me any happier. So like, why am I doing it? You know, like I'll be, if that effort goes somewhere else and I'm happy just with financial independence, like I don't really need any more than that. So. Yeah, that's a difficult, do you think women have a different attitude about that than men do? Well, 
I think, um, actually, I, f- I feel like women struggle with this maybe less than men do, uh, to be honest. And, you know, like uh, people, people say, like, I, I have a bit of a masculine personality. And I think there, there's a, an aspect of that that's true, because I think that, you know, competitive do more thing is definitely inside me, maybe more than a lot of the women that I coach. Cause I think like people who come to me, they're more, uh, how, I don't know if the right word is reserved, but I think they're more like, okay, I want, I want security. Um, I want to like, maybe they're coming not from like a, a super high self-esteem place. They're coming from almost a low self-esteem place and they have to kind of like, just get up to a baseline. So I feel like that's kind of less of a, uh, of a challenge maybe that women face. Um, yeah, tell, no, so- tell me about a little bit about the book. If, if we have time, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, really, I think it's just a combination of what I just said, right. Is that like, you know, one aspect of, of succeeding in the real estate business is technical. And if you were, again, you know, my, my, I always go back to the sports analogy. Like if you want to learn how to be the best basketball player, or even just a competent basketball player, like you got to learn how to shoot a basket, learn how to dribble the ball. Like there's a very specific technical toolbox. And then there's the mental game. And the mental game is, I think the same for pretty much anything you want to get good at. And for me, the methodology has been mindfulness. And like I said, you know, earlier on in the interview, it's that thing of understanding the three levels of consciousness and really understanding how you can use your mind as a tool, like as a performance tool. And the more you understand about how it actually functions, um, the more it's able to help you as opposed to get in your way. So the book is really just like chapters intercutting. So I'll have like one, this is, you know, real estate. Here's how you sign a lease. Here's how you do this. And then the other one will be, okay, overcoming fear, um, stopping spinning mind, taking care of monkey mind, uh, you know, all of those different mental challenges that we face that allow you to just get like a really good handle on, on what's going on in your head. Excellent. Terry, um, do you think that people, women, especially people who are just starting out as real estate investors, do you think that they should manage their own properties in the beginning? So when I coach people, I encourage them, like if your first purchase is not 50 units, um, I encourage people to self-manage if only for a year uh, in order to kind of understand what's involved, because if you later hire a property manager and like, this is a whole rabbit hole we can go down. I'm actually um, speaking on this topic in, in about a month. Um, you, the potential of getting, uh, you know, screwed over by the property manager is huge. Yeah. And if you don't know the property, if you don't know what you're dealing with, you don't know the bobos, you don't know the people, um, the potential for things going wrong is huge. And if you've never managed a building before, it's even bigger right? Because the property manager can tell you whatever they want. Um, and uh, even, you know, as someone experienced, like I had to fire, I also invest in a secondary market. So, you know, I hired someone there and had to fire them like middle of the summer last year. I'm like, I'm a professional manager. Like I interviewed that person and had checks and balances in place. And it was like really not a good experience um, in terms of things, you know, rents that he collected and said he didn't collect. Uh, various like messes like that to clean up and so nobody is uh safe from that kind of thing and they're in their relationship and the more you know the more you can protect yourself with knowledge so absolutely and a big thing is doing work oh we had to change this out and that out and the other thing out and right and the next thing you know you're getting nickel and dime to death because of a bunch of work that may or may not actually be getting done or may or may not have actually needed to get done 
Yeah. And there's actually like, I'm going to refer back to the book. Like there's actually, I have a chapter on this in terms of the checks and balances to um, put in place to make sure that work, I mean, work is a huge thing. Like people can bill you, especially if like you're not going to property all every month, like they can bill you for everything. And so there are like different ways of setting up checks and balances there, be it, you know, having a relationship with the tenants where you get them to send you photos of any work that's been done, where you can just kind of like triangulate what's going on that before you end up paying the bill, well, like just make sure they actually did change the faucet or like make sure that they replaced the fence, but that they took the garbage away, you know, like those kind of right. things that if you're not physically there, you can easily create accountability, like with, you know, FaceTime or photos or all these different kind of things that we sometimes neglect to do it because it's effort, but like, it's yeah. not that difficult to do. Yeah. Especially if you have a lot of units, right. But if you get these things in place ahead of time, when you're just growing and you're just starting to build your portfolio, then you're going to have great habits going forward. Yeah. And like, you know, I'll take, I'll make it just an aside there. Like, you know, my guys know that when they send me a bill, will send me the photos that go with it. Right. Because I want to see what happened. And again, like if we do a bit of like a male female thing, I think when I started, like, it's as if I had, I was also young, but I had like, you know, sucker written on my forehead. And I think, <laughs> I think the tendency is for, you know, um, especially construction guys because realistically that ends up being the dynamic um you know oh little lady you know think they could they can kind of tell you anything and and that when they then that it's that much reason to be additionally vigilant in your dealings so yeah absolutely i'm glad you brought that up because it's it's absolutely true if you don't show up with a nail gun right in your hand then immediately they think oh you know she doesn't know anything about this kind of thing and you know we have to help her and protect her or you get the other guy who's like we have to completely take advantage of the situation exactly. as best we can and that's not pretty so exactly. so what advice would you give to women who are just getting started uh, and want to take your advice and manage their first property or you know their first few doors you know just like maybe two tips that could help them to maybe not be <laughs> that you haven't already said you obviously given us a ton of tips but <laughs> so that it wouldn't necessarily you know, that they might have more success. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, that's not, that's not just limited to management. Like I think, um, you know, of women who want to start out in the investing world, um, you know, I think the first thing is just like a confidence thing, right. Is that, um, you know, you might not believe in yourself. I believe in you <laughs> and there will be people who are around you in your network who are going to support what you're doing. And, you know, maybe mentors or people who, you know, even if they don't have experience in that specific domain, they just believe in your capacity as a human being. And my advice is open your ears to those voices and like leave the haters to their own business because there will be those people too, like hundred percent, you know, after 20 years of doing this, I still have the people who are telling me why I can't do every single thing, I make, you know, and it's not that like some of those um, relationships are anchored in my life. And so like, I'm not, you know, going to get rid of them, but I certainly limit my access to it when I'm in that, you know, data gathering phase. So I think it's, you know, be around the voices that lift you up when it comes to what your goals are. And, and you know, undertaking something difficult is difficult. Right. The unknown <laughs> is unknown. Like those are hard things to do. And so like, you know, give yourself a break for the fact that 
um, you know, when you start doing something you, you're not comfortable with, like it's going to be difficult psychologically and it's going to be difficult in the real world. And that's just normal. Like yeah. you're normal. <laughs> exactly. But, and you know, of course, all those people aren't haters, right? There are people who love you and they love you so much and they don't want to see you fail. And they don't want to see you get hurt and, you know, right. And they're going to make sure they bring up every possible thing that could ever go wrong. To, so that you'll realize that you're crazy and you, you should go back to corporate, right? It's so safe there. <laughs> Absolutely. And like, maybe this can be my second piece of advice, like kind of dovetailing off what you said. Um, you know, if you want to know how to do something, learn it from someone who's actually done it. Because, you know, I think real estate, like, you know, somebody who's brother-in-law bought an investment property once and things went horribly wrong like the truth is they have no idea they've heard hearsay from around or they think based on their other life experience that they're qualified to tell you how this is going to go but like if you want to buy your first door talk to someone who has 10 and have them tell you how it is and you know that's not only for real estate I think that goes for anything like people permit themselves to have opinions about absolutely everything but if you <laughs> but, if you, <laughs> but if, if you actually really want to know like where is good advice going to come from like take it from someone who's actually done what you want to do and you know like again I'm, I'm going to you know pick something from like the athletic world but like you know um my you know my teammates and I were when we we're cutting weight you're talking about your diet okay and like everybody's like Terry, you just need to run more. Terry, like, why are you eating that fat piece of meat piece of meat right now? Like, I can tell you how to manage your weight cut. And I'm like, I'm sorry, you have no idea. Like, <laughs> no, I don't need to. What, what was run. your last thing? You know, what, what was the last competition that you won? Tell me all about it. <laughs> and like, when's the last time, you know, you had X number of body fat and you had to cut down to this in two weeks. I'm like, oh, just, just worry, don't eat any carbs for two weeks. um so yeah so I mean it's it's a kind of a a light thing but I think you know very often it's easy to get distracted by that or either to get sucked into like having an argument with someone who you know is preferring this well-meaning advice but like ultimately they have no idea so you know I'm glad you said that too because there I hear that a lot as well right I'm a real estate agent I help women become real estate investors and I can't even tell you how many people have said, oh, you know, my grandfather, you know, had real, you know, investment property and nobody would pay their rent. And I'm thinking, yeah. (laughs) And, (laughs) but in that, in the meantime, has anyone in the world other than him ever succeeded at real estate investing? Like why focus on that one failure that you had as a relative? (laughs) Why, you know, and anyway, right? We see what we want to see. We hear what we want to hear. Just tune your radio dial to the people who are, who have done what you want to do and who are succeeding. Excellent advice. Excellent (laughs) advice. Terry, I know a lot of people would love to benefit from your coaching and your book. Can you just tell us real quickly how people can reach you? Um, yeah, sure. So my, uh, social media of choice is LinkedIn. So you can find me at, uh, Terry shower on LinkedIn. Um, the book is obviously available on Amazon, Mindful Landlord. Um, there's also a website for the book if you want to learn a little bit more before making your decision, mindfullandlord.com. Um, so that's it. Excellent. We'll put all those links in the show notes so you don't have to say, oh, how does she spelling shower again? <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you get all that stuff covered. Is there anything you wish I would have asked you that we just haven't touched on? I know we could talk for seven more hours about this, but 
Anything that pops into your head? Um, yeah, I mean, I'll say, you know, one thing, is, which is a question that like I always, um, you know, ask people on my podcast, because I think it's an important thing to get out there. Um, you know, in this era of Instagram feeds and instant success, um, I think it's important to, you know, be mindful and to ask people about what are the lifestyle hits or the sacrifices that they made for how long to get where they are. Because I think one of the other things that can, you know, intimidate us when we're starting out is you have all these like successful people around and you think that they jumped from their mother's stomach into the world of success. <laughs> and it's, Isn't that's that like, work? Yeah. no, <laughs> no. And it, and it's, it's not only the hard work, it's also the, the lifestyle hits, you know? And, and for me, that was living in the worst part of town in, you know, Montreal for 10 years on the ground floor of a triplex as I was building my business and, you know, building my investment portfolio. And when my friends lived in nice condos with, you know, the gym and the underground parking, I was outside, um, you know, shoveling snow on my not very desirable car. Um, <laughs> but, you know, most people who have success in, in real estate investing or in anything else, it's like they had that, like, and it's not six months, man. It's like 10 years of, taking some serious lifestyle hits that like maybe at once they've succeeded, they don't talk about all that much, but like, if you're, um, you know, sitting at the bottom of the mountain and thinking, how am I going to get up there? Well, part of it is going to be the sacrifices other people don't want to make. And that's just the reality of succeeding at anything that's difficult. Absolutely. Yeah. It's who you become on the journey as well. Like every shovel of snow is turning, you know, is, is teaching you things. It's helping you to evolve into that person who can then manage hundreds of units and have a very successful business. Yeah, absolutely. And if it were easy, everybody would, everybody do, it. would do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Terry, thanks so much for being with us. I love your attitude. I love all that you've shared. And I can definitely introduce some more mindfulness into my whole life. So thanks for bringing that back to the forefront. Well, thank you for having me on. And thank you, listener, for listening. I want, I, I know you want to take some of Terry's advice, but I bet if you thought about it, there's a couple other people who would benefit from it. So please share this episode with them and make sure you're here next week. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but I know it's going to be fun. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Women Creating Wealth. For more info, be sure to check out womencreatingwealth.net. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us on your favorite podcast platform and consider sharing the wealth with someone else who might enjoy it. See you next week.